is the way to wonder. Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. Welcome back, everyone. We have Brian Kuyat. He has owned Black Squirrel Timing in Lincoln for 12 years now. They started in 09. And what they do is they time high school and college track and cross country meets here in the Midwest. So thank you, Brian, for being with us today. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. And again, we have Patrick Reese with us as our co-host. So thanks for being back with us. Howdy, howdy. So Brian, I want to ask you about Black Squirrel. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about what you do and how old you were when you started the business? Yeah, I was uh, about 23 uh, when I started the business with uh, my business partner. And um, we go around and and time uh, college track meets, high school track meets with um, high-speed cameras. They Mm -hmm. actually are are shooting at about 1,000 frames a second. Um, so we can, we can replace all the timers and pickers. If you were a a track person in high school, um, we can replace all those with just two people. So it's very technical, right? Yes, it is. So is there a lot of companies in the area or even in Nebraska that do this? No, we are actually the only, uh, true company in Nebraska, uh, that, that is, uh, FAT timing in the state of Nebraska. There's some other schools that go around and, and do it, but we're the only company that, that does that full time. Nice. So, so a monopoly. Brian, how did this, uh, how did this all come about? Uh, you said that this, this started back in 2009. So mm-hmm. we're well over, what is that? Well over 10 years, 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Math is hard. Yeah. I'm a banker. I should, I should be able to do math. Yeah. But, um, but so how did this all come about? Was it just, was this something that you just kind of thought like, Hey, like this is a good idea. Let's try it. Or did it, we really kind of stumbled into it. Um, we were timing Nebraska's, uh, track meets, um, because my business partner was the director of ops at that time. And I was a student manager or just getting done. And we were working Nebraska's meets and got a phone call from another coach at, uh, Buena Vista up in Storm Lake, Iowa. And we thought it would just be one meet. Um, it ended up being, um, there's five or six other coaches from there said, Oh, we didn't know you did this. And we said, well, we didn't know either. So, um, that one meet led to about 18 that first year and we just kind of stumbled into it. So, so did you do it full time at first? No, we, okay. uh, we never did it, uh, full time at first. Um, really just started as a hobby business and kind of grew and grew and grew mm-hmm. um, from there. Every year we've kind of done uh, 10 to 15 more track meets each year to, to where we're at now with 170 track meets and, and uh, four full-time people. So. so do you have a background in, in kind of the technical aspects of timing or anything like that or something like this, or is your background more kind of the sports management area? Cause you said, I think you said you were finishing up your sports management at the university at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was a business business administration actually. Um, oh, okay. And I was a, a student manager with the track team, so Got I kind of had both sides there a little bit. Really, the timing stuff we've learned everything on the fly, um, just from other timers oh, wow. or just research, or pretty much messing up on something and knowing what to do the next time. So, mm. actually, that brings up a really good point because we've talked to several businesses so far that 
they talk about when they got started, one of the things they really needed was like insight from other people, or they had an expertise in it already. They went to school for it or just had some experience. So you're saying that you just kind of dove in and learned as you went and trial by error, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It really was a lot of trial by error. Um, My other business partner had um, more knowledge than I did. He had, he had worked with the, the cameras and the timing system for five or six years prior okay. um, to that. Uh, and we were pretty, pretty basic at that point. We've, we've grown into using video boards and uh, online apps to, to stream the, the, the live results and everything. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of grown from uh, a base knowledge and just uh, as we have learned more and more um, continued to grow that way. So. Nice. But when you're a monopoly, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) Take what you can get. The benefits of being a monopoly. (laughs) Well, and I think the the monopoly part is just, we've done a good job. I think is, is that if, if we did a poor job, um, I think other, other people would be like, ah, these guys are terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to form our own company and start doing it. So I think we've done a pretty good job to, to be able to continue that monopoly, I guess, as you would say, but. Brian, I want to go back and touch on something you uh, mentioned a little bit earlier was um, you taking that step from going from just kind of a hobby part-time business Mm -hmm. into that full-time, this is what I'm going to do for my living business. Mm -hmm. What was the the steps to make you feel, I guess, comfortable in order to to, to take it from that hobby part-time into that full-time gig? Like what was, what did that look like to you? Did you wait for a certain amount of income to come in or what were you, what was your thought process? Uh, part of it was a feeling and the timing of everything. Another was we actually were approached by another timing company to buy their timing company out. And so I thought at that point, that was a good um, point for me to, to leave my other full-time position and become full-time with this. That didn't work out. We didn't, we weren't able to buy out that business, but it gave me that confidence because of the extra meets and the extra income to then make that kind of leap of faith. So it, it kind of pushed me towards it without, uh, without actually helping the business right. a little bit. So, mm-hmm. right. So what year was that when you, when you took that step? 2019. It was 19. Okay. Okay. So recently, so you've yeah. been in the, you'd had this business as a side business for a while. Yeah. And we had okay. had full-time people, um, since 2015. Um, so we had two other full-time people during that time period kind of help us out. And then I was pretty much working both of my jobs full-time. I was still putting in 40 hours a week at my other business and working 40 to 50 hours a week on this business. And so yeah. once we had two kids also, that probably uh, <laughs> helped my wife make it a little bit more of a decision and say, Hey, you can only do one of these jobs now. So that helped out a little bit too. And, and just having her support in the whole thing um, that, that probably gave me more confidence than anything. I mean, I think that's kind of a, kind of one of the things that a lot of young entrepreneurs maybe, mm-hmm. maybe don't think about is, you know, sometimes it does take a while to turn a hobby business into a full-time business because there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, one, you got to make sure that you're providing, you know, money for yourself. But at the same time, if you, you know, get married, have kids, I mean, you need to make sure that's all balancing out too. And it sounds like it, the timing and everything just kind of worked out for you. Yeah, it really did. Um, When I sat down and looked at the two businesses, um, I needed to make a choice between the two of them. And the timing business was actually growing faster than my other business. I was a, a certified financial planner. And so mm-hmm. the other business and my timing business was growing faster than my planning business. Plus there was a lot of things that 
I didn't have a whole lot of control over in the financial planning business mm-hmm. yeah. that, uh, that um, I also felt would be um, better with the, the timing company, which with 2009 and with 2020 and COVID, it didn't really matter. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, it uh, it did take a little bit of time and to really research it and make sure, okay, yeah, this is the right thing and, and yeah. we can make this work. They were a little bit younger and didn't have any of the financial responsibilities like a spouse or a family where they could jump in and fill their time and live off of nothing for a while. So let's go back to when you started the business. Were there any challenges or adversity that you dealt with as a young person starting their own business? I think the biggest thing was just running the actual business. I, I took all the business administration and, and learned everything I could um, uh, before jumping in, but it was really that day-to-day stuff that I that I did not know about and, and really how to run the business. Um, what are the day-to-day grind details like the taxes and sales mm-hmm. tax and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff? How did it do that? How to just the lending side of it would work um, with our business, especially being very unique where we didn't have a lot of collateral plus the banks are sitting there saying, okay, well, we've got this $10,000 camera how do we use that as collateral? Cause usually the mm. banks don't know what they're going to do with a $10,000 camera for collateral <laughs> for a loan. Um, so, so that was a very unique part. It's just learning our niche and how to, how to work through those details and really how to run the business. How did you learn? Uh, trial and error. Okay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I had some good CPAs, good bankers mm. along the way um, mm. that have helped us uh, just continue to learn and and just a lot of trial by fire. I think I yeah. learned, so. from 2009, 2019, before you went full time and you're learning all these processes, the day-to-day, the taxes and everything along the way, was there any point in time where you're just kind of like, you know, it just might be easier just to keep my, my full-time gig and just kind of let this thing go. Is that, did that ever cross your mind or just kind of like, Nope, I gotta, I gotta do this. Like, this is my thing. A, a couple of times I did. Yep. I yeah. actually, uh, at one point talked to my business partner about, um, selling the business straight, straight mm-hmm. strictly to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but something kind of came up to, to kind of show me, Hey, this isn't what you should do. Um, so mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of stuck with it the whole time. I mean, you're always going to have those ups and downs as a business and it's going to be frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. And so you've just got to push through those times and see, okay, is it frustrating because you're just getting overwhelmed or is it frustrating because, Hey, you probably shouldn't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Is there something telling you that you shouldn't do it? So, yeah. um, we've always, I've always kind of come back to that. Okay. Well, is this something that I deep down really enjoy to do? And yes, it always has been. So, so you and your business partner, has he been along for the ride the whole time? Yeah, he's been along okay. for the ride for the whole time. Um, right now he is a, he's a pole vault coach at Nebraska. His name is TJ Pierce. Right now I run the day-to-day um, business side and, and he, teach it or he's pole vault coach. So, okay. How did you guys meet each other? How did you end up going into business together? We met each other. We're both from Fairbury. Um, so we both graduated from Fairbury, but he's about, uh, nine years older than I am. And so, uh, we met through track. Uh, so he was the director of operations at Nebraska and I was, uh, uh, student manager. I always kind of knew who he was just from growing up in a small town. Everyone knows mm-hmm. who everyone is, but just kind of went from there. And then when he got the call to, to time a meet at, uh, at Buena Vista, I was like, Hey, do you want to go do this? And mm-hmm. we get to make, you get to make 150 bucks. I was like, Oh man, 150 bucks to just go to a track <laughs> meet. This is awesome. Yeah. So, 150 bucks to a, to a graduating college students, a lot of money. Oh yeah. It was <laughs> all for one day. Like it was great. I was That's like, perfect. Oh. <laughs> 
So, so how? So you guys just kind of developed a friendship over this and decided to go into business? Yeah. yeah. Well, really, once we had that first one, we just started getting phone calls. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And then um, kind of got through that first year. And I was like, well, if we're going to keep expanding, we need to probably do this right and incorporated and did all the fun uh, business business side of things, mm -hmm. uh, or the um, signed all the corporation taxes and filed everything legitimately and got the insurance and, and everything. So, so it was very organic and it's gone well. Yeah, it's gone very well. It's very organic. And the only marketing that we've actually done is, um, just send out emails to the coaches that have been at our track meets. And we really haven't done that at all since probably 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, ever since then wow. we've just organically, continue to grow. Uh, we we've actually turned down about 40 to 50 track meets um, so far for 2021. Um, wow. So I think we, we, we still have continued growth there. So, yeah. So how many, awesome. how many track meets do you typically do in a year? Uh, this year will be 170. So this will be our, the most that we've ever done. So usually yeah. it's kind of grown by 10 to 15, 20 each year um, up to this point. So, wow. it's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. Especially coming out of a COVID situation. <laughs> yeah. It, COVID really hurt us last year. We have a, we had basically 150 track meets that got canceled last year. Oh my gosh. Mm. but, um, it actually helped us in cross country and indoor track, um, mm. because they couldn't have as many people indoors at a track meet. So they mm. had to have more track meets for, to get all the kids the opportunities. So we ended up having oh. twice as many indoor track meets than we normally do. And about 40 more cross country meets than we normally do, which would be about a, probably an 80% increase over the year before. So, wow. So it's making up for last year. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely saved us. That's awesome to hear about just the organic growth. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think there's a lot of young people out there that, that think that if you're going to start a business and you want to grow and you want to continue to grow, you got to throw a lot of money into the, like the marketing side of things to get your name out there to everything like that. Sometimes you just got a good product. You're doing it really, really well and you pro and provide a great service. Then that stuff just organically grows. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a testament to kind of what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think the big thing is we are kind of out in front of all of those coaches for every meet that they are at. If we mess up, they're not going to want to hire us. So, but if we do a good job, we are already displaying our product or our service for everyone that's at that track meet. It's kind of a, a good seller in, in, in itself. Uh, because yeah. if we go to one track meet and there's 10 other teams there, well, shoot, we might impress two of the other coaches there. We get two to three other meets from that one and it just continually mm -hmm. compounds. It's it, Yeah, this is a, a unique type of business than what we've talked to just simply because it's very specific to what you like. You do one thing and that's it. So starting in 2009, you went to full time in 2019. 2020, yes, was a year of just maybe we should just forget about it sometimes. But 2021, you have a lot of track meets, a lot of business. Where are you guys going? Like, what's the big dream now? Um, our big dream now really is just to continue to expand um, within the other states that we work in, uh, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, um, not so much Oklahoma yet, because that's a little bit further reach. But we are looking to hire another full-time person in Kansas to kind of continue to grow that area. That's where we're getting the most requests um, from. And then also in Nebraska, um, hiring another full-time person in Nebraska, just to continue to help us out. 
uh, in the state. We get a majority of our track meets here, but just looking 10 years down the road, I mean, we really want to be able to have uh, work about a hundred track meets in each one of those four key states, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, and just kind of carve our niche in the Midwest that if anyone's going to time a track meet, it's going to be, they're going to look to us to, to help mm-hmm. them out with anything. And so um, that's kind of where we're looking for. Um, another thing that we've actually expanded into um, the last couple of years is actually building video boards. Um, we've built just small video boards, five foot by five foot or three foot by five foot um, for different colleges. We sell t- track equipment as well. Um, that's a big need. There's just, it's just such a niche and to where we, we know the, um, what a lot of the high schools need and can get them, uh, the equipment on a discount rather than them going out to a, a website and, and buying it there. So, mm-hmm. uh, we, we try to diversify as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough in, in the niche where we are, that we're all track and field and cross country, but there are other things that we can do throughout the year to uh, generate revenue. We're always looking to help out schools, help out the track meets in any way that we really can. And that's kind of led us to some of these other um, opportunities. So, well, to close this out, do you have any advice for, let's say a young person, college age, leaving college, sitting in Patrick's office there at the UNL branch, wanting to start their own business, but really not knowing or having the confidence to do so. What would you say to them as a young person? Yeah, I think the the first thing that I would do is is really find a small business owner that maybe you know, or that someone else um, could recommend to you and just follow them around for a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. figure out what they do on the day-to-day basis, the small details, because that's what I think is really important, especially with the small businesses, just those details, attention to details, and then just learning how how to run a small business, because a small business is going to be a lot different than, than going and working in a corporate environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say just finding, um, just learning some of the technical side of your, of your business, um, mm-hmm. just knowing what you need to know um, before that business get, um, and then just working hard, just, just jumping in there and, and working as hard as you can, uh, to continue to, to learn and evolve what you're, what you're going to do. So we've heard that a lot. It's just, yeah. it's super important, especially from people who didn't do that to go and follow someone around and learn the daily operations of a business. Cause it's not just doing what you necessarily love or what your business is about. Yeah. It's doing paperwork and filing for taxes and figuring out all that nitty gritty stuff. That's not fun. Can you tell us where folks could find you website, social media? Yeah. um, Go to blacksquirreltiming.com is our website. And I believe our Twitter handle is uh, at blacksquirreltc. All right. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for being on Money Better today. And thank you, Patrick, once again for co-hosting and good luck with your business. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Brian. These are the words we say. This is a In each Money Better episode, we highlight a community partner that is doing money better. Whether it is a nonprofit, a customer, or an expert in the field, our goal is to learn from their strengths and introduce you to resources that can help you do money better too. Featuring these people and organizations through our podcast is just a small part of UBT's larger mission to elevate the communities we serve.
Welcome back to our community partner segment of episode 11. This is our last episode in season one. And today I am joined by Patrick Reese, the UNL branch manager at UBT. So thanks, Patrick, for being back with us. Oh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, thank you. And today we are joined by Diane Siefkis. She is the owner of DK Solutions LLC, marketing to grow your business, and she's a volunteer mentor at Lincoln Score. Diane's been involved with Score in one way or another for over 20 years, and Score is a source of free business mentoring and education. So thank you, Diane, for being with us today. Well, you're welcome. Glad to be yeah. here. Can you tell us a little bit more about who SCORE is and what they have to offer. SCORE is a national organization. We're kind of a resource arm of SBA, the Small Business Administration. We do primarily get the small startup businesses. Hey, is this a viable idea? Where Mm -hmm. do, you know, what do I need a business plan for? Uh, E-commerce has been huge, go figure. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we, we help everybody. We don't turn anybody away. And it's interesting. I'm not going to ask you what's your age, what's your ethnicity. I don't care what your gender or your culture. Mm-hmm. You came to us with a business idea. We're going to help you. Awesome. Well, that's yeah. great because I talk with a lot of entrepreneurs just in what I do. And I get a lot of questions because I'm talking to entrepreneurs that have a good idea and that's as far as they've gone. So I want to ask you, how can SCORE help me? You're going to call SCORE and you're going to say, hey, I have this great idea. We're going to sit down with you and go, okay, great. Let's talk about it. What's the product? What's the service? Who's the market? How do you get it? What do you need? All of the questions that you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. We'll just walk you right through it. And at the end of a couple of conversations, maybe to be, you know, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. What we have discovered, most business owners who come in with one idea will end up going, this this idea won't work, but this idea Mm. will work. So it kind of grows and flourishes from that first original idea. And then we help put them in touch with the resources they need to really get it going. Tell me more about what that means to give them more resources. Okay. So I will tell you, Lincoln is a fabulous community for small business owners. Banks are just one of them. Lincoln Chamber, Leva's Community Mm -hmm. Development Resources, the SEC Entrepreneurship Center, UNL has got an entrepreneurship center. There Mm -hmm. are tons of resources out there. So my goal in SCORE is to help actually kind of corral them so I can say, oh, you've called about e-commerce. Great. There's a person. We had a request. Mm -hmm. Somebody was thinking about starting a nonprofit. I don't know anything about nonprofits. Guess what? Cause Collective specializes in nonprofits. Great. So mm-hmm. that's part of what we do. Okay. Um, but fortunately, I've not had to do that. But a business plan is more than just for financing. That's part of the, the, the process we take business owners through to help mm-hmm. them validate the idea. Do you, do, do you know who the marketing person, you know, who's, gonna, who's your market? Who's your audience? Who is it going to be that you need to see? We won't write it. So that is the one caveat we're mentoring, which means we walk alongside you. We're Mm -hmm. not going to pull you. We're not going to, you know, we're going to ask questions. We're going to answer questions if we can. How many, how often when someone comes in to, they have an idea, they think, oh, I can do this or that and everything. And you're sitting down with them, having a conversation. Do you find people get a little bit more discouraged that maybe they're not getting their idea across and someone across the way who has no, his outside source is just telling them like, no, like that's probably not a direction you want to go because maybe the market's oversaturated with that or 
you, you like that's just more of just like a hobby type thing and not really kind of like a business because you're not going to make any money on that. Do you get a lot of people who get discouraged by that? Or do you do they find like maybe a light bulb goes off and maybe it's like, oh, something else comes from the conversation? Yeah, it is easy to get discouraged, Patrick. And a lot of them do because they're and it's actually very interesting because it goes both ways. Somebody will say, well, Joe, Joe said, oh, I'm never going to make any money on it. I'm like, well, you know, before you believe Joe, let's really sit down and do the research. Let's take a look. Let's go. You know, DED, Department of Economic Development, has got numbers about growing industries. What's trending? What's not trending? Mm -hmm. How specific? What's your niche? I mean, all there's so many questions. And maybe at the end of even just an initial conversation, it'll be, yeah, you know, Joe is right. But from this conversation, we can go this direction. So mm-hmm. maybe this particular idea isn't right, but maybe there's this that we could do. So I think somebody who has a truly entrepreneurial spirit, somebody who really wants to be in business, they're going to figure it out. But we also have people that come in and say, well, Joe said, this is a great idea. And I'm like, oh, Joe should just shut up because Joe <laughs> doesn't know everything. So again, during that conversation, you're like, okay, Joe says, this is great. Well, it's great for Joe, but how many Joes are there? Can you actually make a living? So there is a fine line between the reality, you know, of no, you can't do it. And, oh my God, this is super. And you'll be rich. Our job is to guide them to, mm-hmm. yes, it will work or no, it won't work. And either way, we don't judge, you know, we're just here to help you figure out what's the best way for you to move forward. Yeah. I find that a lot of individuals as they graduate and move into, you know, the working world and everything, it's, they have this really altruistic view of just kind of like, I want to change the world and I'll do it by doing X, Y, or Z. We did an episode about having hard conversations about money. And I feel like score is having hard conversations about businesses. (laughs) But what I do like the strategy you all take is maybe you don't go with plan A, but you go with plan B. Maybe there's something that can grow from this. And I think, I think that's the true entrepreneur mindset of how can I grow my idea? What, what is going to work? And it's nice that there's a resource out there to, to have those initial conversations. But then my understanding is there's a lot of matching of mentors. And if somebody needs a specific type of mentor, SCORE will match them up with someone that has had business experience in that specific way. Is that correct? That is correct. And thanks for bringing that up. Mm. And so we'll actually find somebody relatively local that mm-hmm. can help them with whatever their specific need is. We average one mentoring request a day. Wow. That is huge. Even after the initial conversation, when they're like, you know, okay, I'm going to have to think about this a little bit more. I'll call you back. Perfect. We're always here. Give us a call. We're still probably looking for, of those, let's say five, five a week, we probably two or three of them will actually want, yeah, let's proceed. Let's get a mentor. Nice. And- That's a really neat statistic there. One a day, two or three move forward with the mentoring process. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's over a year's time. That's a lot of people requesting mentorship or talking to someone. That is a, I think that's a huge testament just to the, the startup nature or entrepreneurial spirit in Lincoln. Yeah, right for sure. Yeah. Why it's so important that there's an organization like score out there. Do, do you actually have those types of conversations with people who are trying maybe something with a friend, an idea with a a, yep. a neighbor, family member. Mm-hmm. Um, how do the, what do those conversations look like? See, and that's one of the reasons I kind of say it's mentoring, but it's also counseling in many mm-hmm. ways. And it's like marital counseling. <laughs> when you're yeah. talking business mm-hmm. partnership, that's touchy because not is it just a relationship, 
it's money. Yeah. And anytime you throw money into any kind of a relationship, wow, wow, all bets are off. So yeah. we will have those conversations. I don't know, honestly, it's never come across anybody that I've talked to, but mm-hmm. I have just in passing, somebody will say, oh, you know, so-and-so we're in business together. We're not getting along. And I'm like, okay, take each other out for a meal. Don't talk about business. Then remind mm-hmm. yourself why you got into business, why you got into business with each other, like why you right. got business, this particular business. It is to a certain degree counseling. But if if a business calls us and they're like, I we hate each other, we'll find somebody to mentor. I can probably find not only do you have mentoring for like one aspect of it of talking about like finances and stuff like that, you have mentors who are available to talk about how you just have a a partnership with someone in business and how that works and the conversations that need to be had and, and probably some tough conversations that might need to be had too. It is both ends. It's a very fascinating world when you're the entrepreneurs who are all like, yeah, I'm going to you know, rule the world and change the world. And I'm going to do all of these wonderful things. And then on the other side, you've got, I've done everything I can. Now it's time for me to let somebody else take it. And that's also another very interesting aspect of business ownership here in Lincoln, yeah. because mm-hmm. we do have businesses that are being sold. And what does mm-hmm. that look like? And how, who, you know, so we get calls for that. I don't think I've had a lot of calls, but we get calls for that too. Like, I want to buy a business. What should mm-hmm. I be thinking? Of? What are the sure. questions I need to ask? You know, I don't know. It sounds like a great business. Well, okay, yeah. let's talk about that. What is a great business? And mm-hmm. when, how, how do I appraise that? We actually have somebody who specializes in that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's a fascinating, fascinating industry. Small business is just, yeah. It's, it's nothing short of miraculous. I mean, we are a hotbed of entrepreneurs. We really are. Mm-hmm. We're lucky in that aspect because we have a lot of cultural differences here too. So they bring different types of businesses to our community and it's, it's really interesting. And Patrick and I have been able to interview a couple of small businesses here and it's just interesting their perspective and how they went about doing things. Yeah. I love that mentality that we have here, not only with small businesses, but the giving back part. So as far as like the workshops that SCORE does um, over the year, um, whenever they have them sponsored by score, but are they, are there business professionals that are coming in speaking, giving, um, their thoughts around the community, kind of like the mentorship type of thing. Um, but more in a more formalized structure. Yes. So Patrick, there's actually four levels of volunteering with score. The first one is mentoring. That's Mm -hmm. our big one. And there's something called subject matter experts. I consider myself to be a subject matter expert. I specialize in marketing. So I help people with marketing questions. We also have what we call facilitators and they do nothing but come and teach in our workshops. So I do subject matter expert, but I also am a facilitator. I teach online marketing, but we have an accountant who comes in. She's a facilitator. We have a banker who will come in yet to be named. um, Who's going to come in and talk about finance. We have somebody who specializes in business plans. We have somebody who's going to talk about uh, legal. We have a lawyer mm. who comes in and they'll talk about legal structures. They get an hour. They are experts in their field. So they're facilitators. And then we have somebody that's just volunteers. Is there a website for SCORE? Lincoln.score.org. Okay. And as a small business owner, it is chock full of resources. You got a question about a business plan? There's actually business plan templates on there. Not sure what marketing means and marketing can be very confusing. Mm-hmm. There's marketing strategies. There's blog articles. It is a wonderful re- resource for people just looking for a little bit more information before they make the phone call. Awesome. So one last question for you. If I just have a really good idea as an entrepreneur and I give you all a call, what can I expect on that initial phone call? 
well, you'll probably talk to me. Yay. Lucky <laughs> you. And I'll just add, I'll ask you a couple of questions. The basic one is who's your market? Who is this going to be? You know, who's going to buy this is basically the question. And if they say everyone, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that again. My heart's marketing. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit. And then I'll say, okay, you know what? This is a, I think this is a viable idea. Doesn't mean that it's, that it really is, but I think it's a good idea. We've got some of the other stuff out of the way. Do you want to meet in person? Are you in Lincoln? You know, can you come to our office? Mm-hmm. Cause I prefer to do our mentoring. Cause it's, it's private. We don't have to worry about coffee shops, people waving. I'm one of those people. I will interrupt. Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in such a long time. So yeah, I like to do it in our own office, um, which is at the SEC Entrepreneurship Center. So it's private. And then I'll say, yeah, if you're ready, I'll take your information. We'll find you a mentor. Usually I'll ask them, you know, is this an e-commerce? Is this retail? Is this a service mm-hmm. or a product? So we try to get a little bit more specific. One of the reasons I ask people to call though, you can fill out a form. You can go to our website and say, request mentoring and fill out a form. They're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. Cool. They send that to us. We're going to call you anyway. Okay. Because mm-hmm. just for me, it's just that first step of, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. And it is amazing to me how many people fill out that form. We call them or we reach out to them and they're like, yeah, you know, my uncle Joe said it wasn't a great idea. Well, all right, let's talk about that. Doesn't matter. I don't. We don't judge here. It's for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is um, there a cost to have a mentor? No. So our workshops, um, but our workshops we charge. But mentoring is free. So it's going to be one of the few resources in Lincoln for small business development. Wow. Diane, thank you so much for being with us today and talking about SCORE. Um, again, SCORE can be reached at lincoln.score.org online, and we will put the phone number in the show notes also for the listener. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. Well, it was my pleasure. I appreciate you having me, allowing me this opportunity to talk about SCORE. It's a great resource and we're looking to really help grow it in Lincoln. So thank you. Union Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.